Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Sid, I am so excited. About what? Well, I uh, I think our delivery of our furniture should be coming soon. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, we it should moved, be coming soon. And uh, we uh, we have an extra room that we didn't have before. Sort of like yeah, a, we, an we, actual living room type thing. Exactly. We got a bigger place and we realized we don't have a lot of furniture. We don't. So we got furniture for a room, like a living room set. I got, and I'm, what I'm most excited about, I got a power armchair. I got a power armchair. It's like a sectional. Like a it's sectional. like a big sectional, and then Justin got to assemble all the different pieces that he wanted for, in his... For my Father's Day gift, I got yeah. to have one that has power in it, so I got a power armchair. Listen to this. That was like Tim Allen. Oh, that was very manly. Topical humor for was, you. I'm, I'm almost overcome by all the manliness. Yeah, so okay. I got a power uh, armchair on the sectional, so I'm I'm thrilled. I can't wait. What got, about- a, got a corner piece. Uh-huh. Got the love seat, got the power armchair. Feeling very good about it. Right. With well with the, with all that with all that manly power armchair going on over there, did you get a did you get a fainting couch? Maybe a power fainting couch for mm. me? No, I didn't get you a fainting couch or a power fainting couch, but to be honest, I didn't see that in the list of available options. I'm not sure how that would work, like how you would power a fainting couch. Like, well, would it catch I, you? I guess after you faint on it, you push the power button and it lifts you back to a seating position so you can pretend you didn't faint. Like, oh, me? No. I've been reclining this entire time. That seems helpful. Will it also, like, get you the remote and... A glass of water? No, or? it's sweetheart. It's not a robot. It's just like it either goes up or down. There it's is not sentient. Hold on. There is no robot coming with this couch. There's no robot butler. Even though I requested one specifically, they said that it does not exist and it would not be manufactured by the Lazy Boy Company. The only regardless. the only reason that I agreed to the power chair was that I thought you were getting a a robot of some sort. I am. I know the machines are coming for us. I'm. I'll be darned if I'm going to put a robot in a home with my family. My actual human flesh and blood family. Thanks, Stephen Hawking, for making Justin afraid of robots. I'm not afraid of robots. I'm just ready for them. Fainting. Yeah, he's, you've been listening to him. He's warning. He's warned us that they're coming and that they're going to take over. Why did so. you mention a fainting couch? By the way, that doesn't. That's not nothing I've heard you request before. Um, because I've just been thinking a lot about fainting, mm-hmm. and I thought maybe some people would want to hear about it, and. There you go. (laughs) 
that okay that was perhaps the greatest segue deflection in sawbones history why did you ask about fanny couches is it because we're doing an episode on them no it's because i've been thinking about them back to you justin oh do you think we should do an episode on it um yeah sweetheart why not let's just go for it and see let the chips fall where they may okay well good i was planning on it (laughs) okay good thank thank goodness what a relief uh, so first of all, thank you to several people who suggested this topic. Devin, Ryan, Katie, Jason, Jillian, and Hillary. That's the masses are crying out for, for, a for fainting. For fainting. Um, fainting, or perhaps you prefer to call it syncope. I don't. No. Syncope is the, the medical word we use for fainting, by the way. Okay. Why do you so, guys have to come up with fancy terms for everything? Confuse the rest so of us. So you won't know what we're talking about. Ah, so I we, always suspected as much. So we can talk about you in the hallways and you'll have no idea what we're saying. No, I don't know. Just to terrorize medical students mainly. Okay, I can live with that. Um, fainting, syncope, swooning, perhaps, if you're feeling romantic. Yeah. Swooning. Uh, people have been passing out and then writing about it for a really long time. Yeah, it seems like one of the oldest tricks you could do. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't really something that um, was necessarily always a medical thing to write about because, it, I mean, it kind of fixes itself, right? Like, for the most part. Yeah, by the time you'd get the, the village doctor over to take a look at you, you're already, like, up and at him. Exactly, and, like, you've already come out of it, and unless you have a really serious condition, it's probably not going to happen to you a lot. Right. And so, it's probably not dangerous unless you, like, fainted into a bear. <laughs> well, that would... Okay, yes. Or, oh, I mean, in general, like, where did you faint? Like, did you hit your head? You know, I mean, it could be dangerous. Yeah. Um, but everybody had a name for it. Everybody recognized it. The Greeks called it a cardiac passion. Very romantic. I really like that name, that you have a cardiac passion. Does it have to do much with the, the heart, though? It can. It, there are a lot of different causes of fainting. There are a lot of different ones, and there there are quite a few that have to do with the heart. So, so relating it to the heart is not a bad idea, and relating it to a passion, uh, to to passion in general, is kind of a theme that we'll see. Mm-hmm. The idea that it has something to do with like a an overwhelming emotion. Um, Galen wrote about it, and he related it to fevers, which isn't isn't totally off base. Really, you go well. You get sick, get a fever, get dehydrated, pass out. Okay, that happens. Um, it used to be thought that it was a type of epilepsy. A lot of people would describe it as a, a sort of epilepsy. People with epilepsy do have uh, spells, right? Where, where they'll lose consciousness. Well, I mean, you're talking about uh, seizures. seizures, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it certainly didn't want to get technical on you. <laughs> certainly, I, if you didn't know much about either of these things, either if we're just talking about syncope or seizures, if you saw someone have a seizure. Uh, you may think that it was fainting, and if you saw somebody fainting, right, you may think right. that it was a seizure. So, I mean, yeah, if you, if you depending on what kind of seizure it is, it could look very similar. Yeah, I don't know why the term seizure didn't come to me earlier. It just spells. You're just putting yourself in the mindset of the, you know, old-timey There we go. I'm basically girls, an old-timey so. medicine guy. <laughs> it's about where my knowledge base is at. Um, like I said, it was previously associated with a strong emotion, which is why it wasn't always kind of like a, like a medical problem. You know, Hippocrates wrote about it. Galen wrote about it. There were lots of commentary, but there were also like poets and, and authors writing about it as well, you know, kind of like 
it was this interesting time where you would, if you passed out and when you wake back up and you're, you're being brought back to life, so to speak. And so a lot of people had a lot of arty things to say about it too. So mm-hmm. um, it was thought that you could be overcome by love or anger or hatred or amazement um, and just, you know, hit the floor. It, can you tell me what, like, what fainting is? Well, I mean, it, it depends on exactly what causes it. Mm-hmm. But in general, uh, what we're talking about is that for a moment, um, your brain is not getting quite enough blood flow for some reason, okay. generally, generally speaking. So, and this could be because you had an irregular heart rhythm, because you're dehydrated, because your blood pressure dropped. Uh, there's some, you know, uh, neurological issues that can cause this. But for some reason, for a second, the pressure that keeps blood pumping upwards against gravity to your brain was not enough or, or your brain thought it wasn't going to get blood flow. And so it's actually kind of a way to save your life. As a result, you hit the ground. Makes you go horizontal. Mm-hmm. So then you'll get blood flow to your brain. That's a that's kind of a general way to think about it. And and when and of course when you pass out, you lose consciousness. So mm-hmm. syncope, fainting, swooning, you're losing consciousness. That's part of the definition, you know, that you that you lost consciousness. Uh, you can be out for a few seconds, up to a few minutes. Generally, it's just a few seconds. Um, and usually, when you wake up, you feel okay. Like you're not confused. You're not disoriented unless you smacked your head or something as well or if you did have a seizure uh usually you wake up and and you you know you're kind of back to your old self again have uh have you ever fainted yes i have when what how do you not know this about me i don't know remind when, me when i was in middle school i had a, a kind of syncope called vasovagal syncope and i used to pass out not all the time but not infrequently either Weird. I and uh, it's it's something that some adolescents get and and usually grow out of, especially uh, young women tend to get it, and I did, and so I just had to be really careful when I would stand up because if I would stand up too quickly and start walking, I would pass out. So I had to like stand up for a second and chill and take my time. And I only fainted once when I was at a sleepover at a church somewhere. Um, these kids were doing this thing where you like breathe real deep 10 times and then someone grabs you from behind and lifts you up and mm-hmm. it makes you faint yes they did that it was not pleasant it was scary so now it's and a couple of times i've laughed so hard that i've almost faint like i've you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you kind of lose control and you black out for just a, a split second I've, yeah. I've done that a few times those those sound like really good times that you were laughing so hard you blacked out yeah it's usually about something i said though um, the, Something really funny. You're kind of talking about vagal reactions there, and then the, the fainting game or the choking game, I think I saw it called. That's something that a lot of people do. Um, I did that when I was younger, too. Did I've passed work? out from that before. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was a, really, it's a good time. It's a good it's way to scary. kill all the time. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're hyperventilating, which is throwing off your acid-base balance in your body, and then you're obviously you're attempting to kind of deprive yourself of blood flow to your brain briefly. Don't do that. No, no, no. Your brain loves blood. <laughs> Just letting it all the blood it wants. If you're that desperate to pass out, may I suggest uh, what we call Stendhal syndrome? Now, what is that? Stendhal syndrome is, it's actually kind of a, a psychogenic um, fainting, meaning that it, you're not really passing out in the way that we kind of think about it 
from a medical standpoint, but it was named for a French writer who uh, described the first time that he saw Florence, the first time that he experienced the city of Florence. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he almost passed out. He was overcome by the beauty and the art and just the romance and and all that is Florence. So, and, so like the first time I watched the second Ace Ventura movie, same basic principle. Exactly. You had Stendhal syndrome. You almost you almost passed out. Good to know. Glad yeah. there's a name for it. There, there is. And then. And because of these associations, it was actually okay for a long time for both men and women to pass out. Hmm. Okay. You know, like if like it was something that could like a great passion or a great beauty could overcome you, regardless of your of your sex, and and you might you know pass You're out. Just plugged in. You're living life to the fullest. Uh, exactly. And the the reason I mentioned this is that when we the, a lot of what we talk about when we talk about fainting is really related to the Victorian era, hmm. and that's when. Uh, Fainting is it probably becomes swooning because then it becomes a very feminine, delicate, romantic, like you know what we typically associate with like fainting couches. Like, right. like oh Ooh. no, oh my, oh it's too much for me. And and it really was in the Victorian era. It was thought that if a woman was rich and and well to do and and you know high class and the the kind of woman that was socially acceptable. Um, would just be overcome by anything that was shocking or scary or vulgar or or too sad, anything like that. And the socially acceptable way to respond to any of that stimuli was just to pass out. Um, and it probably had something to do with the fact that at the time, women weren't allowed to have a lot of emotional responses in public. It would have been considered vulgar if you were of a high class to have any kind of outburst other than this codified way to express your emotions you can pass out so codified they had like couches for it exactly so there there were in in you know and we're talking about richer households you know upper class households you may have a fainting couch which is just a really nice couch with like one side you've everybody's probably seen them with one side in the back and so that you can kind of just like access it by I mean, I guess you have to be standing right next to it at all times, really. Well, I I think you you feel it coming. You feel a spell coming on. You say, I got to faint. Somebody get me the fainting room so I can get this done. Well, and you, you can. You, I mean, I and I think that they, they would have experienced it like that. Someone would have, exactly like you imagine, like throw the back of their hand to their head and gasp suddenly and begin to get the vapors fanning themselves Joseph and then Merrick they are dragged pulled, over to the couch and Joseph Merrick pulls the sack from over from uh, from uh, over his head and they gaze upon the elephant man in his all his splendor and they're just overtaken and they have to head over to the fainting room and they just hit the couch and it, you mentioned fainting rooms a couple times and that was something I, I hadn't realized existed there were fainting rooms oh, i as thought well. i made that up sorry no no there were actual and that would be in your in your really really nice really nice houses you would have a whole room devoted to fainting and part of this too though there's a little bit of overlap remember in the hysteria episode we talked a little bit about the secret pelvic massage that women could get to relieve their hysteria. Yeah. Well, the fake disease hysteria was also correlated with fainting. And so in order to fix this problem, you may invite your doctor to your fainting room where you would lay on your fainting couch and get a little bit of massage to relieve your issues. 
Cool doctors back then. Uh, cool docs. So similarly to this, by the way, there is something called falling out, which is still is still a. This sounds kind of like the Victorian fainting. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's a culture bound syndrome, meaning that you only see this kind of like nerves are around here. You only see this in certain parts of the world, like the American South or in the Caribbean, where something is very emotional, and so you would pass out, except that you're you're really awake the whole time, like you can see and hear what's going on around you, but you passed out, so. Mm. It's a whole other thing. It's like the most extreme like response you can come up with at the time. Exactly. It just overcomes you. And and it's acceptable because that's what that we we understand that's how you react. It would be like, you know, in some cultures it would be okay to scream or to laugh really loudly sure. or whatever. Um were, were there, you know, uh, you, I know there is the obvious treatment for this which is wait. But, exactly. Uh were there were there other things that cooked up? There were. So, um as far as treatments, the most common that we have had for a really long time, this goes all the way back to our buddy Pliny. Ah, uh, Pliny. We haven't talked about Pliny in a while, so Pliny the Elder recommended this. Uh, smelling salts, um, which were originally made from the, um, it was called heart shorn, and that was because, and I didn't know this, so heart is an old word for stag or a deer. Mm-hmm. And shorn because of it's like you would get shavings off the horns of the of the deer. So heart shorn is like the shavings from the. Okay. Yeah, and you could there were ammonium salts in these shavings, and you could use that as okay as smelling salts, which is yeah gross. Really, I don't know who figured that out. Kind of really gross. Um, it's basically ammonium carbonate, and like I said, it's been around since ancient times. The way that it works, because smelling salts, I think most of us are familiar with those, right? Is that I've always um, wondered about that because I've never like actually seen them, and they're in every movie and TV show ever made. I've never actually seen them either. It's weird. Uh, I, I'm sure like, I haven't seen them at Rite Aid or whatever. Like, do you get them there? I don't know that. I don't know that you can just buy them. Weird. Um, but it, ammonium gas is made. Um, by the by the salts and it irritates the mucous membrane so the mm. lining of your nose so you hold them under somebody's nose it irritates the lining and makes you inhale mm. and breathe quickly um, and it also starts to stimulate your sympathetic nervous system which is what's in charge of like your fight or flight response so it kind of I mean it, that's how it wakes you up so oh. it stimulates everything huh. most um, fainting is is mediated by the other kind of nervous system, the parasympathetic. You know, this is like so. that mothballs. Speaking of things with ammonium, ammonia-based scents, like and they do. Yeah, mothballs. Like I know that's a thing. Where are people getting mothballs? I've never seen them. Like Walmart. Like, are they in Walmart? Have you like really try to picture ever seeing mothballs? Like Walmart's you, really big. I really think you'd big, have to though. look for them to know. You think there's a mothball and. Smelling salts like section that we've just been missing the whole time. Well, I know what we're doing tomorrow. Yep. Now, um, in in Victorian times, uh, police officers, constables, or other just generally helpful men, I guess, would carry something um, in order to be helpful to all of these poor, fainting upper class women who were, you know, unable to express their emotions in any other way. Oh, men, you never let me down. <laughs> that was called a vinaigrette. Mm. Delicious. And not, yes, not that kind. Oh. A vinaigrette is, it's a small container that has uh, like a sponge soaked in smelling salts. And then usually it would be dissolved in like vinegar or alcohol. And you'd also have perfume in it. So it wouldn't, so it would also smell kind of nice, like 
bad and nice. Um, and you would have it closed at all times, but you would have these little like silver fancy. They were all like, you know, inlaid and engraved sure, and intricate. And you could open them and, and helpfully hold them to the nose of the woman who has just passed out. I'm and- just going to start doing that. Like to, just to women mid conversation. Just like, madam, madam, excuse me. I, you seem to be on the the verge of a fainting spell. Allow me. <laughs> I have some vinaigrette. Uh, allow me to sample my vinaigrette, madam. <laughs> it's red wine. It's um, it's delicious, but for for you, you seem to be about to faint. <laughs> uh, I'm about to tell a story so scandalous about my college years in college that I'm afraid <laughs> you shall faint. Uh, so I have a vinaigrette prepared. And that's the opening to Animal House. That is the beginning <laughs> of Animal House. Uh, in addition... Gentlemen, guard your ladies. <laughs> for the tale of collegiate scandal, your eyes shall behold would wash the white paint from a picket fence. Are you done? Bluto is the first of the characters. (laughs) Okay, nope, nope. We're going to move on. If you don't have... Organist, begin the soundtrack. (laughs) If you don't have smelling salts, you could try just lavender water, I guess because it smells better. Uh, There was something called Hungary water, which was Mm. the same idea. It was like... (laughs) From the creators of Hungry Man. (laughs) There's Hungry water. It It was just water with like some nice smelling herbs and floral things so that it would smell good. To be clear, that's Hungary, like the Hungary, yes. Hungary Hungary. water. Uh, Laudanum was a popular treatment, uh, which I think if I were a Victorian woman and I was forced to the only way I could, you know, socially acceptably express yeah, my emotions was to pass out. Right, huh? I'd be like, yeah, I need some laudanum for that. Oh, golly. Give me just, yeah, that helps with the fainting all the time. And then um, bloodletting throughout history was a popular treatment, uh, especially if you fainted from blood loss. Bloodletting was mm-hmm. a good idea. What if you had a lot of fainting uh, at the Red Cross around donation time, you think? Yeah, oh, th- that's a very common cause of fainting is uh, blood, like mm-hmm. the sight of blood. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who have it. Oh, I just an- mean after you give blood, and like oh, well, you can do that too, right? Yeah. And faint. Mm-hmm. And Some people faint. do. I mean, it, you you really generally don't give enough that it should, but it's possible. Um, but uh, fainting, like I said, it's very much a when we think about it in a medical and, and social context, it's very much a Victorian thing, and a lot of people like to blame corsets for fainting. Oh yeah, uh, like how did they? How did that work? Well, I want to tell you all about corsets and fainting, but before I do that, why don't you come with me to the billing department? Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support 
and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts. And that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, And the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Hi, I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. And if you're not listening to our podcast, Baby Geniuses, you're missing out on stuff like... Camille Nanjiani solving the Zodiac murders. Uh, who's like... Would you ever go to a friend and you're like, hey, could you lick all these, lick all these envelopes for me? You'd be like, you're a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I'm leaving right now. Guy Branham talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, and it was it was just a great moment of like, oh no, I'm here, boys. Like I'm on this side of the bench. Megan Amram talking about intimidating baristas. Just feel like they're always in character. Like they're always in character as like cool hipster girl. Uh-huh. And I just want to break through that barrier. Plus, every week we explore a new Wikipedia page and talk to a crazy expert in the field of nonsense. Well, any yeah. any hack can make you not have a boner. I mean, that's it's about how you do it. Right. You know? And we're the only podcast with regular updates about Martha Stewart's pony or your money back. We're not going to give them their money back, are we? Mm, no. Let's keep it. Yeah. Listen to our show every other Monday on Maximum Fun. Yay. Yay. Sid, uh, tell me about corsets. So let's talk about corsets. Yes. Um, because I don't think you can mention Victorian times and fainting without it. So when we talk about, I think most people kind of picture corsets as like the thing that they're all wearing in like the Lady Marmalade video. Yes. Okay. Originally, corsets were a pair of of what we would have called stays or bodies or like bodices, and they were these two, um, like it would it, they, these two pieces of something stiff, like stiff 
brocade kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that you would put on either side of your trunk and then lace together and it would create like an inverted cone okay you know out of your upper body very and it it would also have these little flared out pieces on the bottom that would kind of go underneath your skirt to kind of keep your skirt out and to keep the the bottom of the bodice from like cutting into your skin and all that kind of stuff. Um, they were initially an Italian creation, but they became very popular when uh, Catherine de Medici introduced them to the French court and all the French ladies loved them. Um, you'll see like these old like iron cages and things from, from this era. We're talking about like the 1500s. That was probably like some really bad attempt at like an orthopedic brace and not what an actual corset was made of at the time. Okay. So if you see that and you're like, oh my gosh, women suffered in these corsets, that probably wasn't a corset. Yeah. Um, so so you would lace the stays together and then you would put all your clothes on over top. Um, but a lot of women didn't use them at first because their the bodices of their dresses were kind of stiff. So you wouldn't necessarily need these. Um, it wasn't until we started, like women started wearing kind of looser things on over top of that, mm. that these became like undergarments now. Okay. So you wouldn't wear a stiff bodice dress. You would wear something stiff underneath something looser on top. Um, and so as we move forward, we kind of see uh, that kind of trend. And instead of just uh, lifting the bust and smoothing the waist, we really start to attempt to shape the female form into something that, um, let's be honest, that men liked. Got right? it. Yes. Yes. Um, now, when we when we talk about corsets in like a medical context, and especially in like a, like kind of from a feminist perspective, mm-hmm. what we're really upset about, I think, what most people get upset about is the tight lacing. Okay. So you get this image, and I think most of us, you remember, you saw Gone with the Wind. Oh, yeah. So you see, you remember Scarlett O'Hare up against the bedpost? Yeah, I got that. She, I remember in the book it said she had a 17-inch waist. That seemed insane to me. Right. Um, and that's when people start talking about, oh my gosh, that was so unhealthy, and so many women were in these tight-fitting corsets. Um, they looked great. I mean, we can all agree on that. Did they? Am I right, guys? Did they? Guys, let me hear you. Dog pound, where you at? For corsets? Where's my corset dog pound? I see one guy. For corsets? You know, we're hound dogs. Anyway, so most women did not. I like did a, not. I like. I like a woman who just is like seems to be on the verge of blacking out constantly. <laughs> most they laugh at your jokes more, which I appreciate. <laughs> hey, hey, it's true. Most women didn't um, lace themselves that tightly. It was rare to find a woman who would have tightened herself below twenty inches. So that whole 17-inch thing, I mean, yes, certainly there there were women who did that, but that was not the majority of women. Mm-hmm. Um, the And that was really the Victorian era when we see the that kind of association, that you're not just using it to kind of shape the body that's underneath your clothes, but you're actually shaping your body. You're actually trying to force your body into a different shape. Right. Um, and from the beginning of corsets, you hear like there there are accounts of doctors upset about them, even when corsets really weren't that restrictive. When they first came out, they really weren't. Um, and but you've got doctors talking about how like oh it's going to smush their internal organs and they're not going to be able to breathe. Um, does it does it smush them? Well, I'm going to tell you about that. Okay, let me tell you a little I bit more about cor- no, don't get ahead of me. I'm going to tell you about that. Um, it, it was interesting in response to this in the Edwardian area, we saw like a different corset introduced that they called the S shaped corset because it would kind of form your body into an S like your upper body and your breast would be kind of thrust forward and then your your butt would be kind of pushed backwards 
and you get like an S shape. Ah, nice. And that was supposed to be better for you. It was called like the health corset. Like they had ads where they had like five-year-olds in these. If they had a TV ad, you know it would be set to like, I will survive. Just women <laughs> dancing around in their S-shaped corsets like, come on, girl, get it. <laughs> but this one, unfortunately, was probably worse for your back than the original corset. Oh, no, corset. girl, don't get it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, girl. Uh, as as we move forward through the into the 1900s, women want to move more. Mm-hmm. Um, now they were able to do a lot of stuff in those corsets, contrary to popular belief. Women were like riding horses and you know doing all kinds of things in the corsets. Um, but they wanted to move a little freer. Dance trends affected this. It was hard to tango in a lot of corsets. Um, and then finally, I think kind of the death knell for for like the the widespread use of corsets was World War One. Uh, when they needed to free up all of the steel that they steel, were using yeah, in the corsets. And so the War Department asked everybody, like, hey, would you please stop wearing corsets? And do you know that Did that they really make a, an impact, though? Made a huge impact. Women stopped wearing... I mean, I, maybe they were just looking for an excuse, but women stopped wearing corsets. There Actually, one one site said that there was enough steel saved from not selling corsets to make two battleships. Two battleships were entirely made out of, you can think about corset materials. Um, And they almost came back right before World War II, but then World War II had the same problem. Right. You need that steel back. Sorry, ladies. Not that corsets have ceased to exist. I hate to disappoint you, but unfortunately we (laughs) need those to make battleships. (laughs) Certainly there are still more people wearing corsets and there are, you know, fashion trends with corsets, but the health effects. Okay. So this is incredibly controversial. Naturally. You could read about this for decades if you wanted to. Um, But if we're talking about what was detrimental, the most detrimental were people who did the tight lacing. So when you talk about people with like 17-inch waists, there is some documentation that it, it can decrease your lung capacity. So you get a little more short of breath, which is probably where the association with fainting was mm-hmm. although not everybody was passing out because of course of course yeah um it can misshape your ribs like if you look at they have x-rays of people wearing corsets and it actually can kind of push them into different positions although that whole story about how women would remove their ribs to fit into corsets as far as we know that never happened i mean if you imagine surgery in the 1800s who's going to go through that procedure i mean they, they right would, yeah they yeah, would have yeah. died you would have died um, Guaranteed. It can cause, because of the way it's kind of squeezing your uh, your gastrointestinal tract, it can cause indigestion. Tight corseting can cause constipation. Um, it does shift your organs a little bit. Um, and so there was some thought that maybe it could have led to uterine pl- prolapse, where like your uterus kind of pokes down into the vaginal canal a little Ugh. bit. Oh, man. And so it may have, it may have contributed to that possibly in some of these tight corseters um it can absolutely cause back and hip pain and gait abnormalities in, in some of the corsets in some women and then there's this whole concern about like pregnancy because women corseted while they were pregnant and did it Yikes. cause miscarriages i don't really know there was one study where they studied skeletons and like tight corseters also had slightly smaller pelvises and so there was this whole theory could it have led to we don't really know i I don't really know i I can't answer that question um it can cause muscle atrophy because you're not using your muscles to hold you upright right of course it is and it can cause skin irritation depending on the design of the corset you know where it rubs you of course yeah um a lot of the things that doctors freaked out about and said that it caused are not true it didn't cause tuberculosis obviously it didn't cause hysteria because that's a fake thing so that wasn't real um it didn't cause cancer it didn't cause liver failure because those are fake no 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 no, 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 they're real got it all right um but it 
all in all, they probably weren't quite as bad as we've all been led to believe. Um, if you use them appropriately, and certainly women who, who and men who like to corset now, I think take the proper precautions. And so you don't have to worry about all of this stuff quite so much. There were, there were the extremists who did. Um, but they probably weren't the horrible thing for your bodies that we always thought they were. So um, hooray for corsets. No, I'm not, I'm not saying back. that. Because this gets into like the idea of like who wanted corsets. Because, you know, I mean, my, my opinion of it was always like it was, uh, you know, m- men found it beautiful. And so women conformed to the male ideal right. of beauty and that kind of thing. Um, but there's been arguments that like, well, no, women wanted, all women wanted to corset. And so it was just women choosing to wear what was fashionable at the time. But I think, I don't know that that makes much sense because saying that like at the time that it was socially acceptable to be corseted, all women also happened to want to wear corsets is like saying that like before Elizabeth Blackwell, no women really wanted to be doctors anyway. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards we all decided that it might be fun to be a doctor. So I don't know that I buy that argument. Um, but but people have said that they think that the reason doctors were always so against them is not because of health concerns, but because they thought male doctors uh, didn't like the increased sexuality of women who were able to maintain these womanly figures even after they were mothers. Oh. Huh. Which, I, I don't know. So the corset as a female empowerment. Exactly. Symbol. So it, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Either way... Um, if you didn't do it right and you lace too tightly, you could probably hurt yourself in some in some minor ways. Um, but I don't know that it caused all of the all of the fainting that we saw in the Victorian. Is fainting era. ever like an actual concern? Like, is it should I do anything about it if I start fainting? Yeah, if you start passing out, go out, go see your doctor. Absolutely. Um, like I said, there are lots of different con- conditions that can lead to fainting, and we kind of talked about some of them and why it could happen. Um, I have a, a brilliant ER doctor, though, who always told me that if I had a patient who came to the ER fainting, the money's in the heart. <laughs> it could it could be. So that's why it may be nothing. You may be dehydrated. You may just, you know, some people pass out every time they poop. Some people pass out when they pee. Some people pass out if they cough too hard. Those are all vagal reasons. Totally benign. No big deal, but inconvenient. But there are some serious causes of, of syncope or fainting. So if you are if you pass out, I'd go get checked out. What's that mean? The money's in the heart. What is that? That's where you should look. That's where you should look. Yeah. Not like that's where you should look to raise money to get m- more money. Is that what you mean? No. <laughs> no. That's You'll where the answer more. would be. Got it. That's where, yeah. Look at the heart. And, and if nothing else, that's the thing you want to rule out because that's really the scary stuff, right? Sure. I want to tell you, Sid, we have two new podcasts on the Maximum Fun Network, of which we are proud members. Well, tell me about them. Well, uh, the first is called We Got This with Mark and Hal, which uh, features uh, Mark Gagliardi and Hal Lublin from the uh, very funny uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour. You may know him from there. Uh, and also the other is called Can I Pet Your Dog, which is produced by my brother, Travis McElroy. Not that guy again. Not that guy again. Uh, but uh, is uh, the, the the episode that has just premiered, the very first episode, uh, features uh, our, our, our buddy, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, talking about his dog, Toby. And, uh, and uh, I think you should listen to both of those. So go check them out. That's what I think, Sid. But listen to our show first. Uh, listen to our show first, always, twice, in case you missed anything. 
and then uh, then go listen to their, their shows. Uh, Maximum Fun is your home for comedy podcast hits. That's a new slogan that I'm working <laughs> on for them. I'm uh, sure they'll appreciate it. catch on like wildfire. Uh, you can find both those shows I mentioned at MaximumFun.org, as well as on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Uh, and uh, thank you to the taxpayers for letting us use their song as the intro and outro of our program. If you search for Taxpayers The Medicines, you will find that track and you can buy it and, or, or just tweet at them and say, hey, thanks. I uh, want to remind you that we're going to be coming to the Pacific Northwest in the last weekend of August. Uh, we'll be in Seattle. You can get tickets to that uh, bit.ly forward slash MBMBAM Seattle. Uh, and we're also going to be in Vancouver. Bit.ly forward slash Van MBMBAM we're going to be performing with my brother, my brother, me, which uh, is a uh, an advice podcast I do with my brothers. Uh, we'd really like it if you come out and see us. Charlie will be there, and uh, Sydney's sister Riley's going to be turning fifteen when we're in Vancouver. So, so if you want to bring her birthday presents, <laughs> go nuts. She'd love them. She'd love that. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for us. Until the next time, we have a topic to uh, to discuss with you. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.